Hi, this is Chris Finch. I'm lead pastor of City Walk Church. I want to thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you don't already know, the best way to stay connected with City Walk Church is with our app. Just go to your device's app store and search City Walk Church to find it. Whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus or you're just investigating faith, our hope is that this message will help you take your next step in that journey. If you're in the area, we would love to have you come join us in person. For more information or to plan your visit, check us out at citywalkchurch.com or on social media at WeAreCityWalkCA. Morning. Morning, those of you that are watching online, it's good to have you with us as well. I hope you guys are enjoying your, uh, I guess, Halloween weekend. Have your kids just gotten like ridiculous amounts of candy already? I told my wife yesterday, I was like, didn't, didn't candy used to be like a privilege? Like once in a while, very special when you like cleaned your room without asking and all these, man, and now it seems like there's piles of candy everywhere. Hence, my, my daughter went to the dentist this week and uh, I won't tell you how many cavities she had, but it was uh, more than I've ever had in my whole life uh, she had. And so, yeah, so that was a good week. But uh, whether it's a great weekend for you or not, I know this week has been Uh, One of the weeks that uh, is the reason that I love where we live. Uh, I don't know if you love fall or you've really enjoyed this kind of last week where it's kind of seemed to change, but I grew up in Florida where we had a couple hours of fall. Uh, You know, there was like one day where you get a couple hours of fall. And then when I went to college, I went to New York. And so I, I grew up in a place where, man, literally it could be 85, 87 degrees on Christmas day. But then I chose to go to the tundra for college. And so for me, that was, that was new. Uh, I remember being up in New York for college, and it snowed in October, and it was super cute. All the Florida people and people that hadn't seen snow in their life, you know, ran out of the, the, the cafeteria area to play in the snow in October, and, and that was fun. But then it got so cold, it got a cold that I didn't even know existed in the world where you would walk out of your dorm and literally your hair, your nose hairs would freeze. There were days it was 20 degrees below zero for several hours and you went to class in that. And so I went from this extreme of extremely warm kind of Florida wimp to living in the tundra And other than the weather, the weather was obviously not my favorite, but my time in New York in college was was a good experience for me. Uh, It's where Lori and I met each other. We met each other uh, the kind of second semester of our first year of college. Uh, It's where I made a a ton of friends, ton of like lifelong friends, but it's also where I learned a lot. And if you've gone away for a period of time and, and you remember that time in your life, you probably would say the same thing. There were uh, some things I learned over those three or four years in college that, man, I wouldn't trade, and they're life lessons. One of the things I learned a lot about during that time period was I learned a lot about leadership. I remember after my first year of college, I heard that there was this RA position that was coming available. And so I thought, man, I, I had never read a book about leadership, never taken a class on leadership. But I thought, you know what, I'd I'd love to have some privileges and a little bit of status, and I'd love the scholarship that comes with it, and I can't be that hard, and so I applied for it. And I remember, you know, you kind of go through a process, you get interviewed, and 
and uh, they, they decide whether you can be an RA. And so I, got, I was one of the RAs. And I remember when, when everything was starting and all the students were getting there, I remember thinking, you know what? This school is about to see leadership in action like they've never seen before. Because I was in charge of Australia and Argentina. Those were the two dorms. They were named after countries, obviously. And so I thought, man, I'm, I'm about to put on a clinic for these people on leadership. Uh, and, and so here was my philosophy. Enjoy the perks, enjoy the status, and, and be as everybody's friend. And they're going to love me so much, they're just going to do the right thing. Because I'm just going to be that cool of a guy, and they're going to love me that much that they're just going to obey the rules. And, and you know what? To my credit, I was right for the first few weeks. To, for the first few weeks, man, everybody followed the rules. Everybody was doing their little dorm jobs and everything like that. But then a couple weeks in, I realized that 19-year-old guys weren't motivated to be on time and keep their dorms clean because I was a cool guy. And I remember during that season, man, learning a lot. There were a lot of ups and downs in my leadership journey that first year as an RA. And, and my story is probably not unlike a, a lot of stories, maybe some stories that you've experienced. Because in our society and in our history, a lot of people have taken on and been given roles in leadership and they've done it for the wrong reasons. For me, it was, man, I'm going to get a little status. I'm going to get some privileges. And, and you know what? It, it can't be that hard. And, and so that was kind of my mindset. Well, all, you can look in any area of life. Look in education. Look in religion. Look in politics. Look in business. And you'll see different people that were given leadership or took on leadership. And they did it, it seemed to be, for the wrong reasons and they made a mess of it. And it was, you look at it, and, and after, when you can see the end of the story, it's like, well, that, they messed up. And here's what's interesting. That's not new with us. That's not new with our century. That's not new with our lifetime. That's been happening all throughout history. People have been taking on roles and they've been looking for roles in leadership and they've looked for status and greatness and they've used leadership in the wrong way. And even Jesus' disciples, the guys that were closest to Jesus, even they were super confused about this whole idea of status and greatness and what does leadership look like. And, and, and before Jesus really sat them down and explained to them and gave them examples, they were like everybody else. They took their cues from the culture. They filtered everything through what does the culture say? And, and in Mark chapter 10, Jesus, what he does is he takes what these guys are leaning into and what they believe because of the culture and he kind of turns it on its head. And this conversation that he has with these guys, it starts with a very awkward question that two of them come to him and ask. If, if you have your Bible, or it'll be up on the screen, or if you have our app, you can go into the app and, and you'll, you'll be able to see some sermon notes there. But, but look at Mark chapter 10, 
And look with me at how this conversation about greatness and leadership starts with a pretty audacious and really awkward question. It says this in Mark chapter 10. It says, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, approached him and said. And so James and John, these are, man, these are like Jesus's boys. These are some of the closest people to him. They may have actually been his cousins. But even if they weren't his cousins, they were some of his closest friends and they were some of his earliest followers. So these are guys that Jesus knows as good as he knows anybody and they know him really well too. And so they approach Jesus and and here's their awkward question. Teacher, we want you to do whatever we ask you. So basically Jesus We know you're probably going to say no to what we're about to ask you, so we're just going to ask you to commit to say yes before we even tell you what it is. So Jesus, we're about, we're your boys, we're your cousins, we're we're your team, and and we have something we want to ask you, and before we ask you, we want you to commit to say yes. And so obviously Jesus is is not having that, and he's not going to make a commitment, but but here's what he does. He, He asks him this question. So, so what do you want me to do for you? He asked them. He says, oh, okay, guys, obviously I'm not going to make that commitment, but hey, what, what do you want me to do? What are you about to ask me? And, and here's what they said. They answered him, allow us to sit at your right and at your left in your glory. When Matthew tells the same story, he actually tells, says that their mom was with them. So it wasn't, wasn't even just James and John. It was mommy too that was coming up beside Jesus, putting a little pressure on him. Like, hey, Jesus, my boys, the boys that you love, your cousins, these are your guys. And Jesus, here's what we're, the small thing that we're asking. Hey, whenever you start your kingdom, whenever you get into power, would you, would you give James and John the most important and prominent positions? That's what we're asking. I mean, James and John are like, man, if, if, if somebody's going to get the corner office and if somebody's going to get the, the, the best parking place, why not us? And so he, they come to Jesus. Hey, Jesus, that's all we're asking. Can we just, can we just have those spots? You know, and here's, I mean, Jesus was so patient. Because it had to frustrate him to hear questions like that. Because he realized over and over again that his disciples really had a problem listening. Because if you look back just a few verses earlier, Jesus has just predicted his death for the third time. Like, hey guys, you know this, Jesus, you know what you see here? I'm about to die. And it just went over their head. Okay, guys, can I, let me remind you. He, and he did it three times, and he had just done it. But James and John, they're like not listening, obviously. And so they come up, and it's like, and in their mind, Jesus must be going to Jerusalem to, to start his kingdom. And so they just don't even hear the, hey, I'm about to go die. And they're like, hey, can, can we get the spots? Can we, get, can we be like on the list to get coffee from the guy? That like, can we sit on the right and the left and have all the perks? So like, just That's all we want. And here's what Jesus said to him. He says this. He says, guys, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup I drink? Or, be, or to be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? 
Like, guys, I love you, but you don't even understand what you're asking. What I'm about to go through, the, 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 and he uses the word, he uses the word baptism. He uses the word cup to, to kind of illustrate the suffering he's about to go through. He's like, guys, you don't even know the path to greatness. You don't know what you're asking. You don't want what you're asking for. And, and, and the, these guys, they just totally don't get it. But Jesus is saying, you, you're asking for something that you don't even know the path to it. And if you knew it, you wouldn't be asking this. I have a friend right now. His name is Malachi O'Brien. And I met him about a little over a year ago. And he is in the, he is in the middle. And I, I love following him on Instagram for this. He's in the middle of trying to break the world record for the most consecutive days running a marathon. And so the ladies' record is 100 days, and the guys' record is 60 days. And so he is day like 23. 20, I think today's day 24. And he is every single day running a marathon, and, and he's, he's, he has a GoPro. I guess for Guinness, you have to tape every single mile marker. It's obviously pretty strict. But he's doing this thing. And he gets on uh, like Instagram every day and he's like, hey, I finished it up and today was a pretty good run. And, you know, just crazy. And, and there's these, these different celebrities that are starting to call him and like run with them certain miles. And, and, and it's, it's starting to get bigger. And, and, and he's trying to break this world record. And, and unless he gets hurt, which is possible, because I mean, running a marathon every day is not the easiest thing. He's probably going to break it. And when you look at Malachi and you watch his videos, you're like, man, wouldn't it be cool to break a world record? Like, wouldn't it be cool to have that status and have that by your name and, and be that type of celebrity for doing something so great? But, but at the end of the day, all that comes with a path. And, and as, as great as it would be to have your name by the world record and as great as it would be to... To, to get the, the, the notoriety that he's getting as he's doing this, nobody knows the emotional, physical, mental pain that he's going through to do this except for him. And so you and I can sit there and say, man, oh, I, I, I want that, or wouldn't that be nice? But man, we don't even know what it's, we don't even know what that's like. He's, he's, he's hurting and struggling and, and just mentally having to stay focused at a level that, that we don't even know. And that's exactly what these guys were doing. They were saying, Jesus, oh man, we can already see it. It would be nice to have James on the right, John on the left. I mean, it would be awesome. And Jesus is like, but, but you don't. You don't know that path. You don't want that path. You don't even know what you're asking. And, and here's their response. This is how you know they're clueless. After Jesus just said, hey guys, you don't even know what you're asking. You don't really want this. They're like, we're able to. We'll do it. They told him like, oh yeah, for sure. We're in Jesus. We'll, we'll do whatever we need to do. We can do it. And Jesus said to them, he said, you know what? You actually will drink the cup I drink, and, and, though, and you will be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with. He's, he says, actually, guys, and again, it's totally over their head, but he gives them a little hint about their future. He's like, you actually are going to go through some suffering. You actually are going to take a path that's going to be tough. 
in the future. But he says this, but to sit at my right or left, it's not even mine to give. Not only do you not want it and don't even know what you're asking for, but you're asking the wrong person. It's not even mine to give. Instead, it's for those for whom it has been prepared. God the Father is going to decide who gets what honor in the kingdom. Verse 41. When the ten disciples heard this, they began to be indignant with James and John. They, were, they weren't indignant because they were more spiritual. They were indignant because they got to Jesus before they did. They're like, they were annoyed that, man, oh, what, what did James and John, they got in line before us because they all wanted the same thing. And so they, they weren't mad for the right reasons. They were mad because they, they wanted that same spot. And they were upset at James and John. They were annoyed with James and John for, for asking before they could get to Jesus. And so Jesus, understanding that, that he has an opportunity, and Jesus was really good at this. When he saw an opportunity to teach, when he saw an opportunity, whether through a story or through nature, to teach something, he took those. And that's what he does here. He, he takes this opportunity to show these guys, as they're about to like throw it down because they're upset at James and John, he takes this opportunity to say, hey, let me explain to you how leadership and greatness is 100% different than even what you guys are thinking. See, these guys, they lived, they lived in this, and if you, if you know a little bit about Roman history, you would understand this. They lived in, in a Greco-Roman culture where greatness was determined by status. So when you came to a public gathering, you, you didn't get to sit where you wanted to because you got a ticket first. You got sat in the seat you were in because of your status. It, I mean, you, you could have got there 10 hours early and got the first ticket, but if you didn't have the right status, somebody could show up right when it opened up and they'd get the seat because it was all about status. I mean, it'd be like us, and some of you will do this. Some of you have done this, where you, you look on a Black Friday sale and you see, all right, the TV I've always wanted is going to be half price. There's only 10 of them in the store, though, the first 10 people to get it. And so you're like, what is it? It's October. All right, November 1st, we're getting in line. Like, like you're ridiculous. Like you camp out. You really want this. And you wait there, you wait there, and you stay there. You want to make sure you're the first in line. And, and as it gets closer, you know, the day before, other people start getting in line. And man, then it's like countdown. There's like a 10 seconds, nine. I mean, you were first in line. You're definitely going to get what you want. And then right when they open the door, somebody says, hold up. And a limousine pulls up. Ten people get out. They get ahead of you. They haven't been waiting in line for a second. They get all 10 of the TVs. They get back in their car. They leave. Now you get to go in. You're like, dude, I, 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 there would be some, some fighting going on. There would be something like, it would be ridiculous. But this is the, the society that they lived in where status was, was so important. And, and in this culture, man, that, that was what determined if you were great. 
And so if you had status or power, you leveraged it to highlight yourself and put yourself in the best position. That's just how it went. And so Jesus, he he calls the guys together and he says this. He says, let me show you how this, my kingdom is different than that. He says in verse 42, Jesus called them over and said to them, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles They lord it over them, and those in high positions act as tyrants over them. Leaders of this day were domineering, they were oppressive, they were manipulative, they had no regard for the people they were leading. And Jesus says this in verse 43, but it is not so among you. On the contrary, my way, my kingdom is different than what I just described to you. He says this, whoever wants to become great among you will be your servant. And this word servant is one that basically means someone that voluntarily serves others in ways that are helpful to them. Just not being made to, no one's holding a paycheck over your head, no one's making you do it. It's just these people that Jesus says, this is is who's going to be great in my kingdom are people that serve just for the sake of helping people. He goes on, he says, and whoever wants to be first among you will be a slave. A slave. I mean, this this is even like another level. This is one who doesn't just do things that are helpful, but this is someone who forfeits their own rights in order to serve others. And Jesus said, this is what my kingdom's about. He goes on and he says this, just to like drop the mic. He says, for even the Son of Man, me, Jesus, God's Son, even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Even me, even the guy you're following, even the guy that you believe is going to set up his kingdom in Jerusalem, even me. I didn't come here to be served. I didn't come here to to make people, like manipulate people or dominate people. Even me, I came here to give my life, not just my time. I came to give my life away for others. That's what I came for. And here's what's interesting. Within a few days of when Jesus said this, he would give his disciples two of the clearest pictures of what this really looked like lived out. What one of those scenarios is in, we find in John chapter 13, when Jesus is literally just hours. He's hours away. Nobody knows it but Jesus. But Jesus knows he's literally just a few hours away from being taken, being crucified, going through an excruciating death. He's just a few hours away, and so he, he gathers his guys, James and John, and, and the guys that were mad at James and John, he kind of gathers his guys together to have one more dinner, have what we would call, it's known as the Last Supper. And, and he gathers his guys, and, and it says this in verse 3 of John chapter 13, he says, Jesus knew that the Father had given him everything into his hands. That he had come from God and that he was going back to God. Jesus 
unlike anybody else in the room, he understood the moment. He understood what was about to take place. He understood he only had a few more hours with his guys. And so he was about to do something that would leave such an indelible impression on them that they would never forget. And so they're sitting at dinner with Jesus. I don't know if they're like talking about the game. I don't know if they're like making fun of each other, like poking at each other like guys do when they're together talking trash. But they're sitting at dinner. And all of a sudden, Jesus does something they would never forget. It says this in verse 4. So he got up from supper. Okay. He laid aside his outer clothing. He took a towel and tied it around himself. Basically, what Jesus did is he walked over and he took the, the, the uniform of a slave, of a servant. He took off what he had and he put on the uniform of a slave kind of weird like Jesus what are you doing Jesus and then what he did was even like another level of crazy then he he poured water into a basin and he began to wash his disciples feet and dry them with the towel that was tied around him he was not only wearing the kind of uniform of a slave he was now doing the job he was doing something that was unheard of and almost offensive It was right at the edge of of being offensive that someone in Jesus' position and and someone with Jesus' clout would do. This is ridiculous. And and he's just washing his guy's feet and he's taking the towel that's around him and he's drying them off and he kind of goes from from guy to guy. And, And here's what's so interesting. In that moment, one of those guys was one of the guy that was about to betray him. I mean, imagine being Judas. And if, if you don't know anything about maybe biblical history, Judas is the one that actually betrays him. And Jesus comes to Judas and, man, he pinches feet when he washes everybody else's and, like, pokes. No, he washes his feet. But then he comes to Peter. And Peter's like, no, this is, all right, this is ridiculous, Jesus. We're not doing this. This is stupid. This is not you. And, and so Peter, in verse 8, he says, Man, you will never wash my feet. I'm not, I, these other dudes, whatever, but you're not doing that. He, he, Peter's like, man, Jesus, I've been around you long enough. I've watched you. You are great. I've watched you heal people. I've watched you bring people back from the dead. I've watched you calm the storm. This, what you're doing cannot happen. This is not what greatness does. And Jesus says to Peter, I'm about to redefine greatness in the next 24 hours. I'm about to put a mark on greatness that will change all of history. From now on, what I'm about to do, Peter, is going to redefine it all. And Peter doesn't know. He doesn't know that Jesus is about to die. But Jesus did. And and, and he tells Peter, man, yes, I'm going to wash your feet. And so he does. And it says this in verse 12, when Jesus had washed their feet and he put his outer, on his outer clothing, so he was done, he reclined again and said to them, do you know what I have done for you? Basically, guys, are the dots starting to connect at all? Do you realize he's back at the table, he's got his normal clothes on, he's, everything's cleaned up, and he's saying, guys, do you get it? Are you starting to see what I'm trying to show you? 
And he, and he goes on and he's talking to his guys. He says, you call me teacher and Lord. And you're speaking rightly since that is what I am. He's basically saying, yes, I'm important in this world. I have a title. I have influence. But I, I, I want you guys to see that this influence in this title is to be used not for status, but for serving. It's different in my kingdom. And he says this, he closes it out in verse 14. He says, so if I, your Lord, your teacher, have washed your feet... You ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done for you. Jesus says, in my kingdom, power, resources, influence are given for the purpose of serving, not for status building. And just a few hours after dinner, Jesus would give the world the greatest example of what he was saying. As the sinless Son of God would be taken, he would be arrested, he would be lied about, he would be beaten severely, he would be nailed to a cross made of wood that he created, he would be spit at, he would be hung on a cross, naked and humiliated, he would give the greatest picture in history of what he was talking about to his guys, of what it really looks like to serve. And and here's the thing. Like the disciples, and it doesn't matter if you're you're watching online or you're here this morning, it doesn't matter kind of Where you stand as it relates to faith, you might be somebody that's been following Jesus for a long time. You might be somebody that is investigating faith. You're not really sure what you believe about Jesus. You may have been someone that grew up in the church, but you were hurt by the church, so you walked away and you haven't been back for a season. And and, and you may be in a lot of different places. But, But just like the disciples, no matter where we are as it relates to faith, just like the disciples, it is so easy if we're not careful to take our cues from the culture. It's it's easy to make life about ourselves. And, And when we do, we begin to fight for position, we begin to fight for status, and they become tools to feed our own flesh. Jesus, his way's different. Jesus, he he shows his guys through his words, his example, that things are different. And so following Jesus into true greatness, it means a few things. First of all, it means this, that we must leverage for the sake, we leverage our leadership for the sake of people being led. If we're going to follow Jesus' example of what really greatness looks like and what leadership looks like in his kingdom, we don't use influence. We don't use leadership, we don't use power, we don't use resources for ourselves, but we use those things for those that God has given us to lead and steward. See, the goal is not more power or status, the goal is helping people. The goal is changing a city, the goal is changing a family, the goal is making people's lives better. 
It's not making my life better or making you think more of me. The the goal of of leadership, the goal of greatness, the goal of any kind of influence that we have been given is to help and make the lives of other people who God created and sent his son to die for to make their lives better, to turn their head more towards him. That's what it's about. And, And following Jesus into true greatness, it means that we have to leverage our leadership for the sake of those that we're leading. And, and, and you might be sitting there like, well, I'm not a leader. Yeah, you are. You influence people. You, you, might be a, you might own a business. You might be a school teacher. You might be a single mom. You might work in the medical field. You might, you might have a job that, that, as far as you know, man, is so behind the scenes, nobody knows about. You influence people. God has given you gifts, he's given you passions, he's given you uh, abilities, and he's not given you those for yourself or to make yourself better or to make people like you more, not so that you and I can get more likes on Instagram. He, He gives us those so that we can leverage those for other people. That's what greatness in in the kingdom of Jesus looks like. It all it also means this. Following Jesus into true greatness, it means this, that we will experience our best life when we give our life away. Which, like, well, that's cute. That sounds really cute. Yeah, that that probably would make a good song. That's, That's a cute statement. But what would your marriage look like if you gave your life away to it? What, would, what kind of dad or mom would you be if the way you led in those relationships was one of putting on a towel and getting a bucket of water more than maybe the other ways that you've done? What would your business look like? What, what would our church, what would, what would our church, what would our city look like if, 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 if people put down their pursuit of status for status sake or status so that because we're all insecure and we need other people to like us? What if we actually set that aside and we went and grabbed a towel and grabbed a, a, a bucket of water and just said, let me find some feet to wash? What if, what if that was our goal? What if it was more about serving? What if it was more about, you know what? It doesn't matter if anybody knows my name. What if that was, what if we gave our life away? Jesus, I mean, that's what he did. Really, he would have been okay just staying in heaven. He would have been okay. From what I hear, it's pretty good there. From what I hear, it's kind of going to be a pretty good eternity. Like, he, he would have been fine to just stay there. But, but instead, and, and Philippians 2 says this, instead what he did is he set aside a, a lot of what he had and a lot of the, the privileges that he had so that he could come to earth and, and not come to earth as like this king that lived in a palace, but come to earth as a, a guy that didn't even have a bed to sleep in when he was born. It was a cattle trough. And then he didn't grow up in even a middle-class family. He was a poor guy. 
His dad probably died while he was young. I mean, so he was probably trying to take care of his mom. I mean, it wasn't like he lived this this crazy great life from the world's perspective, yet he came because he wanted to give his life away so that we could have life. See, a good question, because you you may, uh, as you think of this, you think, man, I don't know how I really do with this. I think I'm okay at serving. I think I'm okay. I don't think status is that important to me. Well, here's a great question to ask as we evaluate that personally. Here's the question. Who does my life benefit most? It's a great question. As we evaluate, again, whether you're somebody that's been following Jesus for a long time, maybe you're somebody that's still investigating, this is a great question to ask yourself. Who does my life benefit most? And on a lot of days, it's probably myself. And I'm guessing that you would probably say the same thing. Where Jesus said, if Jesus were to fill in the blank, it would never say Jesus at the end. It would always be about others. His life benefited others. He came for others. He leveraged his life for the good of people who hated him. And one of the ways, one of the, one of the best ways that, that we can live this out in our own life is by remembering Jesus. Because even if you didn't grow up in church, you've probably heard some good things about Jesus. Like, oh, I've heard he's a good, he's done some good stuff. But it's very easy to forget what he really did and what he really gave up. And so one of the ways we remember is we remember by a thing we call communion. And Jesus is actually, he modeled communion for us. And here at City Walk, we do communion about, about once a quarter. And, and if, you're, if you're new here or you didn't on your way in, you didn't happen to grab a, a communion thing... Uh, we have them right, right in the middle. We're, we're going to take communion here in a second. So if you want to send one, bot, one person in your row to pick up communion for everybody else, we won't say anything. We'll pretend they're not getting up. Uh, but you can do that. They're right in the back. But, but the reason we do communion is, is exactly what I, what I just said. We want to do, do something that helps us remember in a tangible way what Jesus has done for us. And so this is something that in that last supper that we already talked about, this, this, this last time together with his guys, Jesus actually took communion with his guys. And when he, when he did, he, he told his guys, he's like, this is something, guys, that I want you to do. And again, they didn't get it yet. They didn't understand it yet. But he said, hey, until I return, until I do set up my kingdom, I want you to do this, and this will help you remember what I'm about to go through. And so the communion, if, if you have it there in front of you, the, the bread, the little wafer, it represents Jesus' body. It represents that, man, when Jesus went on the cross, now he went to the cross and his body was broken. And then the juice represents his blood that was shed. And here at City Walk, as we take communion, the only two requirements that we have are the ones that the Scripture gives us. And it's simply this, that 
that if, if you take communion, that you want to take communion as somebody that has a relationship with Jesus. And so if there's been a time in your life where you have come to Jesus and you've said, hey, Jesus, man, I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I've done things my way. But Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for my sin. I believe that you went to the grave and then rose from the grave. And Jesus, I I want you to come into my life and, and I want a relationship with you. If you've done that, then, then that's what the scripture says you, you want to do before you take communion. And then the second thing that the scriptures encourages us to do is before we take communion, it encourages us just to kind of examine our own self. Just examine ourselves and say, hey, God, is there anything right now in between me and you? Is there, there, there's some sin in my life or there's some things that I've done and kind of gone my own way on. And it, it just gives us an opportunity to kind of examine our hearts and then if, if there is to just make that right with God and so I just want to give us just in the quietness of this room I'm going to give you just a, a, a minute or two to just quietly examine your heart and if there's something that you and God need to talk through something you need to confess this is an opportunity to do that and then we're going to take communion here in just a minute you want to take your wafer. And Paul, as he was writing about communion in in 1 Corinthians, he, he said this, he said, the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's remember Christ's broken body as we eat the bread. take the the juice and in that same passage it says this in the same way also he took the cup after supper saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me let's remember the blood that Jesus shed for our sins as we drink the cup Let's pray. Jesus, we are so thankful that you are so patient with us. Lord, you're so patient with your disciples and you are so patient with us. And Lord, I pray as it's so easy. I know for me, and I'm sure for others here, some watching on, on uh, TV, God, I, I know for all of us it's super easy to take our cues from culture 
It's super easy to wake up and to think of ourselves and to spend our day and our hours and our resources in a way that just builds our own reputation and makes people think much of us. And God, you know that's, that's what our culture tells us. That's what it's telling our kids. But you have a different way. And God, I pray just in the quietness of this room or wherever people are watching, Lord, that you would just work in our hearts and that we would just take off the glasses from culture, the filter we see through, that we would just remove that filter from our eyes and that we would begin to see the world through your eyes that we would begin to see our family and see our business and see our classroom and see our lunch table as an opportunity to give our life away. And God, that is so easy to say, but so hard to do. We desperately need you. And so God, I pray that over this next few days that you would remind us of that question Who is my life benefiting most? And that when we think of that question, that we will be reminded of your example and that we will choose to love and serve and give up for other people. You might be here this morning or you're watching online and you'd say, Chris, man, I'm not a follower of Jesus. I've heard of Jesus, I've you know, heard some things about Him, but I've, I've never taken that step to follow Him and start a relationship with Him. Well, just in the quietness of this room, or if, if you're watching online, you can do that now if you want to. You say, Chris, how would I do that? It's real simple, just between you and God, just in the quietness of your heart, just tell God. Just tell God what's on your heart. And when we tell God what's on our heart, we, we call it prayer. Just, just say something like this to God in your heart. God, I, I admit to you that I've sinned. I admit to you that I've done things my own way. Just tell Him in your own words. Then just tell Him, I believe. I believe that when Jesus died and rose again, He did that for me. And then just invite him. Say, God, I I want a relationship with you. I want you to come in my life. I want you to transform me from the inside out. I want a relationship with you. Just tell God. If you're here this morning, you're watching online and you'd say, Chris, today's the day that I, I made a decision to start a relationship with God. If you're watching online, there's a There's a little website you can go to. It's just citywalk.cc. And there's a a decision card right there. And if you started a relationship with God, we would love to know about that. We would love to, man, rejoice with you. We'd love to connect with you sometime this week and just see if you have any questions. And so if you go to that website, citywalk.cc, you can fill that out. Or maybe you're here and you'd say, Chris, today, today I received Jesus. I started a relationship with God. Right in front of you, there's a card that just says decision. If you wouldn't mind just filling that out and on your way out, 
You can drop it in the offering basket or you can take it to the next steps table where Matt will be and just give it to him. And again, we're not going to bug you this week, but we'd love to text you or maybe call you once and just see if you have any questions, see if there's anything we can do for you. And man, just really rejoice with you about your decision. Lord, I thank you for what you did for us. I thank you that you went first. You gave us an example. You sacrificed first. You served first. And Lord, I pray that we would follow that example. In Jesus' name, amen.